0: GayBC, this is the happy hour with your hosts, Richie Roy, Chick Maxson, and Johnny Mack, your source for conversation, current events, culture, and all things LGBTQ. Hello
1: welcome to the GayBC happy hour. to the happy hour. <laughs>
2: so uh I'm here with uh with our uh, illustrious hosts uh Johnny Mack and chick Maxson uh, how you doing guys great you doing pretty well uh, looking forward to this episode it's been now a full week since our first episode went live and um, I'm looking forward to getting into it um especially since we are in the middle of Pride month um and uh With that, I think, you know, top of mind is the flag itself.
1: It is. Uh, The gay pride flag is certainly a major emblem for our community, Richie. I don't know about you down there in Texas, Chick, if you see an awful lot of them flying around, but uh, even in places where you would not necessarily suspect that uh, them flying around would be such a... A problem, it certainly created quite a stir this year. And in the course of this, uh, learning a little more about the history uh, about the flag, for me, I was blown away to realize how many iterations of the Pride flag there are this year, Richie.
2: Yeah. So I did a little uh, a little dive into this because I was also kind of, you know, wanting to know uh, a little bit more about the history of the flag itself. Um, So I did. I actually asked ChatGPT to put me together a little summary (laughs) and uh, it did a fairly good job. I I did fact check it to make sure it wasn't making things up. But um, the original flag actually uh, dates back to 1978. It was designed by uh, a gentleman named Gilbert Baker and originally the flag actually had more stripes than it does today Um, it had a hot pink and a turquoise stripe on in addition to the red orange yellow green blue and purple um and it's it's actually sort of an interesting story i won't go in depth but um it's worth looking up uh just for actually kind of practical reasons they they got rid of the hot pink stripe um because they couldn't get the fabric in quantities enough and then later to in order to have it be symmetrical on bunting they dropped it down to six so you could have three uh colors on one side and three colors on the other so the flag the kind of classic pride flag itself um that we think of is not even the original flag Um, but as we know since then um, we've seen several new versions of the flag Um, in 2017 uh, the city of philadelphia Um, put out a revised flag that had a brown and black stripe um, added to the the six-color flag. And then the flag that many of us are now um, aware of and that seems to be kind of taking uh, center stage is what's uh, sometimes called the progress flag, which has sort of chevron on the side with additional colors, with the trans pride colors, with uh, brown and black as well. And additionally, And a a sort of yellowish triangle on the far left with a purple ring in it, uh, which is an intersex flag uh, symbol. So the flag that we currently have is kind of a a mishmash and kind of reflects a lot of sort of the complexity of uh, the history of our community. Yeah. And, you know, I I have to say um, I maybe I'm old school, but I really I really think that my my jam is the original flag with the hot pink and the turquoise because mine,
1: too. I um, like that eight color one. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Because the thing that's that's interesting is is originally each of the colors had a a sort of a concept that went with it. And what we lost with the uh, with the pink and the turquoise going are sexuality and art. Two things that I kind of uh I kinda of like to have in a flag. So I'm all for the uh, the the OG uh multicolored flag. So that's my that's my flag of choice.
1: Yeah, mine too. Now, you know, the flag that has emerged as I guess they call it the progressive flag. Um, this mm-hmm. is one I'm seeing around an awful lot. And I think others have seen it too. It's like it's it's like the version with the uh, with the six colors that we are used to seeing now on the Rainbow flag, But there is like a um, rightward-pointing triangle that now comprises uh, colors for people of color and for the transgender community, too. And, um, you know, it's not that I want anybody to be excluded, but I feel like the original flag, with its stated purpose of the colors was really about everyone and everything regardless of race and and regardless of what part of the LGBTQ community you were in. I thought that it was all encompassing to all people.
2: Yeah, I think that this, you know, and and you know, this is actually a perfect moment to kind of uh, put out there uh, that this is Colin show. Um our number is 7606770111. If you have any thoughts on this but you know i kind of i tend to agree i i'm you know i i love the original kind of nine or uh was it nine colored flag um but uh you know and the 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 six color flag is great too what to me starts to happen is when you have additional layers coming in uh, you start to. To kind of like you say, dilute the message that really I think originally the flag was supposed to be unifying for all of us, um, and uh, you know, query whether maybe some people felt that the flag was not inclusive of them. But um, you know, it, then that kind of begs the question why, and, and it's it becomes more complicated. But for me, I kind of agree. Is once you start down the path of kind of carving it up and adding more and more layers, um, it starts to dilute the message of unity, which unfortunately there are some people out there who are really dead set on carving up our unity and especially carving away trans folks from the LGBTQ community at large. So yeah. it's it becomes reflective of just the kind of complex discourse we're having today about even our community. So it, it is it is really an interesting kind of um, metaphor for what we deal with on a daily basis. Chick?
3: Right, I, I, I think that the, I mean, I like the original nine stripe flag as well, even though that is like before my time. I, I think that that I did not know that it included the hot pink and the turquoise, which I think is great. I love that. Um, and I think one thing about the turquoise, one thing about the turquoise that stands out to me is that now you have the the two spirits flag with the with the the feathers and kind of like a you know that that symbol like that's almost kind of like a native american symbol right and i think and i think that turquoise is a great representation for that native american spirit because prior to colonization there was a belief that in Native American communities that gays, that people who were homosexual were magic and spirits. And I think that that is a, I think that including the turquoise in the flag would be perfectly representative of Native Americans, First, first Nation peoples um, to keep those in the flag.
2: Yeah. And that brings up an interesting point, you know, I think, uh, because I have seen the two spirit flag, um, you know, and, and I, and I think that, um, the, there generally is, is a lot of, um, erasure of, of Native American, um, sort of history in this culture, in this country, in this country, especially. Um, but the idea is the question, the original, the kind of six color flag or the nine color flag or whatever, um, was that adequately reflective of everyone? I guess that's the kind of question that everyone kind of is trying to address with these new flags. And I don't know, I mean, I would love to hear what folks um, call in and sort of give their perspective on, you know, if they're a big fan of the progress flag, uh, you know, what what is it that works for you? Um, and what was lacking in that original flag? You know, yeah. I will say one thing is uh, I think the new flag, Um, I mean, there will always be an issue. You know, people will always find something. But um, is the new flag has absolutely freaked out the conservatives because um, Fox ran – a tweet that has since been deleted, um, that does every classic Fox trick in the book. Um, what it said is, White House flew controversial new transgender flag that promotes grooming and pedophilia, say critics. Oh my so God. right there, you have everything. The say someone says something, ergo we will run it as a thing. That is a classic Fox News trope to basically take some total piece of garbage and try to float it and make a news cycle out of it. So we got the sake critics. We have the quote controversial new transgender flag. All of those words incorrect. It was the progress flag, <laughs> and that promotes grooming and pedophilia. So there we go. Um, it's kind of a it's it's sort of a, a an absolute um, confection of of vomit. Um,
1: One would think and, you uh, know that the that the News Corp board of directors would put their foot down and. And tell the people uh, at the Fox News channel that this nonsense, this disparagement, and this uh, gaslighting with their news stories needs to come to an end because they're tired of losing share value to the tune of billions of dollars.
2: Well, they're kind of stuck in there. It's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? <laughs> because they've they've kind of made that bed for so long. Um and as it is uh you know they're they're being flanked on the right from even more wing nutty organizations like newsmax and oan and um you know whatever other new new flavor comes out by the week um so yeah they're kind of stuck i think um because that's it's what emboldens and excites a lot of their viewers is this kind of nonsense Um, And, and, you know, you, then you have stuff, you know, picked up Uh, not only you sort of straight out of that news cycle, you then have people like Marjorie Taylor Greene out there um, who uh, recently uh, went on a tear about the pride flag, calling it a symbol of aggression and um, that the flag quote is grooming children to believe a complete lie that they can change their gender. I was just talking with a friend about this. It's it just it's so deja vu all over again because it is the same playbook that they used against gay people back you know in the 80s and 90s the um the the it's throwing it in the face it's grooming children uh you know it's it's not it's against nature um you know all this all this language is so familiar um and you know it's it's being directed at trans folks specifically but it really it really gives the lie that there are people who who are truly believe um, that uh, that that sort of writ large you know sort of how they still think about homosexuality despite the culture having shifted generally so much that there is a there is a you know a faction of people in this country uh, many of whom who you know might be members of the House of Representatives uh, who do literally think that the rainbow flag uh, is you know a quote symbol of aggression Marjorie Taylor Greene and is grooming children to believe a complete lie that they can change their gender. So we're, we're still, you know, it, it shows the importance of pride and the flag, um, you know, f- that we really do have to kind of keep hammering the message home <laughs> because uh, it seems like if we don't, if we don't keep at it, um, people kind of s- just start to forget and kind of go back to these kind of culture war concepts.
1: Yeah. It's, I'll tell you, this world's going to be a lot better when there's no more Marjorie Taylor Greens. Unfortunately, I don't think that we're ever going to see that, but you know, <laughs> one could only wish. Yeah. And, you know, uh, another
2: story that came out today and, and or not today, it came out this week that that was interesting about the flag and about kind of just pride celebration generally that kind of ties back into the target discussion that we had last week. Um, but there is some indication uh, from some tweets uh, that Starbucks has uh, at some level has been telling stores to tamp down or not put decorations up for pride this year. Uh, the corporation, the HQ is is saying that that's not the case, that they stand very firmly in, you know, for pride and inclusion and have not made that edict. But. Um, you know, it's something that at least from the Starbucks uh, Workers Union tweets uh, Twitter page has uh, been circulating. So, you know, if you are a Starbucks employee or manager, if you have any uh, ground level knowledge about this or experience, uh, again, our number is 760 677 And call in and we can talk about the flag, talk about Starbucks pride and uh, and uh, any of these topics that we've kind of been going on about. Um, and uh, look forward to hearing what you have to say about
1: that. We'll continue our conversation about the pride flag, about Starbucks, and whether or not they're telling people to back off on the decorations around pride at stores around the country, and more, as the Gavie Happy Hour continues. Again, your phone calls welcome at area code 760-677- Thanks for being with us. You may have heard, queer youth are under attack at schools across the nation, not just by domestic terrorists wielding assault weapons and hiding behind the stranglehold of the firearm lobby. From Florida's infamous Don't Say Gay legislation to multiple states targeting transgender children, intolerance and hate are values that place young lives in harm's way. Glisten has been building a better world for young people for three decades. The Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network, working with activists, historians, and researchers, GLSEN has been inspiring educators and advocates, and most of all, students, to ensure safer, more inclusive schools for LGBTQ youth. They have led movements including the Day of Silence, Ally Week, and other initiatives. Your help is needed now more than ever. Support GLSEN. Make a difference by contributing today at glsen.org, glsen.org. A happy Hour on Gay BC.
0: No agenda except for that gay one.
2: And welcome back to the Happy Hour. <laughs> So we are coming back and we are uh, still talking about the pride flag and uh, pride in general. I have to say, um, I don't know uh, if you were listening uh, to the PSA, but it actually was was talking about the organization GLSEN. And one of the stories that actually, um, I'm I'm really glad it came up because GLSEN is a really amazing organization. Um, But to go back to some of this Fox News kind of uh, whispering, um, there's actually, a, there was an article a few weeks ago, and they've kind of been talking about it a little, that, that actually um, Target has mentioned that it has partnered with Glisten for many years. And the, the tagline that Fox ran with is Target Marketing VP holds senior position at org pushing secretive transgender policies in K-12 schools. Referring that way to Glisten, what do you think of that characterization by Fox of Glisten as um, an org pushing secretive transgender policies in K through 12 schools?
1: I think that it's exactly the same as what they had to say about the voting machine companies and the election <laughs> in 2020. Uh, I think that every. I think here's the deal. Uh, this is an easy viewing guide for everybody in the world who has access to watching the Fox News Channel. And that is, if you see the person on the screen, if you see their lips moving, somebody's telling a lie. It's all hogwash. It's a bunch of bullpucky, and they need to be. <laughs> they, <laughs> I'm sorry, but they, the FCC needs to take control of, of enforcing even cable networks, not just over-the-air broadcasters anymore, because. This nonsense and the damage that is done, uh, I'm not worried about you and me hearing this stuff, although we should be worried about some adults because they think if it comes out of a set of speakers on a box that has a little cube with a Fox News thing in the corner, that it must be truth. However, I'm more concerned about young people who hear this stuff and have not had the experience of being able to separate fact from fiction in their lives and who are going to take these things and think, oh my God, this is really what the world thinks of me or thinks of people in this community, and I have, I have no future. And, and those are the people who, as we have heard way too many times, are part of that sad, unfortunate statistic of youth suicide. Because they thought that they had no future and and they hear these things espoused in our society and especially through, you know, media sources that have, you know, millions of eyeballs and ears. And it's just it really sickens me.
2: Yeah, and, and I think it it kind of goes to um, you know, back to you know, the the fact that we were talking sort of at the beginning about the flag. It again goes to the importance of the flag, um, because you know, for people who maybe are young and in the closet or are questioning or figuring things out, to see people putting out a, a you know a symbol that is very actively saying I am okay, you know, this is okay, this is good, actually, yeah. this is great, um, is is really meaningful, and so. You know, one of the things that, you know, if if anyone wants to call in again, the number is 760-677-0111. Do you fly a pride flag um, in front of your house? Do you have one on your car? Um, Do you have, you know, a patch or a pin on your backpack? And kind of what's your thought on that? You know, I have to admit, um, I don't have a pride sticker on my car and thinking reading more about it um you know the history of the flag and kind of reading the kind of recent pushback and kind of the fact that the the flag is still kind of a battleground i feel like i kind of need to get a flag on the car
1: yeah you know i i haven't put one on because i just generally do not like i i'm sorry i you know i used to drive a subaru too but uh i am not that stereotype of the subaru driver um who would have bumper stickers all over the car i don't like to Mm -hmm. adhere things to the car i don't even like to have to put the tag on the license plate each year (laughs) but (laughs) that that said um you know i think a lot of people are righteous they're rightfully concerned that their car will be damaged or that they will be targeted uh, by these outrageously crazy people who think that when they see those symbols, that that calls upon them to defend their faith or you know to defend their masculinity, I guess, uh, by taking it out on somebody else because that threatens them in some way. I, I just I completely understand why some people don't want to have those symbols on their vehicles because they feel that they're going to be targeted uh, by nutcases. But I, at the same time, I feel like, you know, uh, if somebody did do that to me, because I chose to, um, you know, put my hand up and say, you know, we're here, we're everywhere, uh, and we're just everyday people who live next door to other everyday people. Um, you know, I guess I think that those people are brave. I've flown a, a pride flag in front of my home before. I don't presently do that. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I, sometimes I think about, I want to put one of those big old flag poles out in my front yard and raise it with the American flag and, and the pride flag and tell everybody else, you know, go screw yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so, um,
2: so yeah. So, if you know, again, if you want to call in, talk on any of these subjects, 760-677-0111. And uh, when we come back from the from our little uh, momentary break, we will uh, keep the happy hour going.
4: Visit slash drug disposal.
0: You think these guys aren't interesting enough without you joining the show? You're probably right. 760 677 0111. That's 760 677 0111. Operators are standing by right now. Probably. <laughs>
1: And welcome back to the GBC Happy Hour with Chick Maxson and Ann, Richie Roy. I'm Johnny Mack, and we're talking about pride, pride flags, and uh, homophobia, all that kind of good stuff. But we're going to turn our attention uh, to a, another area of conversation at the moment. And, and we can always go back if you call in and you want to talk about any of the stuff that we brought up earlier. You're welcome to, uh, to do that as well. There's a lot of international concerns going on right now, uh, global gay issues, and being that this is the time of year that most of us in North America take vacations because it's our summertime, uh, you know, I think we should get into a a conversation as well about um, where you should and shouldn't consider traveling to as an openly. Queer person uh, both domestically and foreign uh, but before we get to that, um, Richie, I know that you had um, that you had pulled a story uh, about Uganda, which is not the first place I'd be thinking about um, necessarily going on a vacation, but that they have passed a bill that criminalizes gay sex, which does not surprise me in the least
2: that's right. So, um, yeah, so recently, um, I think, you know, in the past few weeks, um, Uganda passed a bill, um, that includes punishment up to and including capital punishment for quote, serial offenders of the law against, uh, homosexual sex. Um, and I think, you know, where, where it gets, uh, even more kind of problematic, um, I mean, that's already really problematic, but um, it, it also includes a 20-year, up to 20-year sentence for, quote, promoting homosexuality.
1: You know, there's scientific um, evidence, I'm pretty sure, that indicates that the people who probably drafted this thing are closet cases. It's well, usually you know, those who have uh, the most to hide, a, who, who, you know, scream the loudest.
2: Well, and there's, there's also, um, you know, there's a long storied history, too, um, of of United States-based evangelical organizations kind of astroturfing and kind of getting this stuff on the table in other countries, including in other African countries. So I'm not sure if that happened here in Uganda, but um, there definitely have been, you know, long, long-standing traditions of that kind of intervention
1: Oops we're losing um, with there. American evangelicals. Yeah, you're breaking up just a little bit there. Wasn't Uganda where Idi Amin was from? Ooh, you're you're
2: that now for the trivia game we're playing, uh I would lose that one. <laughs> um I
1: think that that is where he was from and and they were known to be led by mentally ill people, but you know, he was a real sick bastard.
2: Yeah. And I, according to the internet, yes, uh, that is, that is correct. Um, and, you know, just generally, you know, uh, apart from Uganda, there is, uh, there is a, a lot of, um, there are a lot of anti-homosexuality, um, you know, sort of bills and laws in place, um, you know, on the African subcontinent. And, you know, one of the articles that I was Looking at recently um, in the New York Times, talked about specifically gay travel, uh, the uptick in gay travel, and sort of gay travel agencies that are preparing packages uh, to go to places where being gay is either frowned upon, illegal, or worse. Um, and whether or not, you know, kind of talking about the morality and ethics of. Um, of such travel. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things is, uh, recently, uh, I believe it was Saudi Arabia put out sort of a, a bulletin that gay travelers are absolutely welcome, um, to come, uh, spend their pink dollars. But, um, there wasn't much clarity. What does that actually mean? Can you book a hotel room for, with two men sharing a king size bed? Um, you know, does that affect how homosexuality is treated for domestic citizens, um, you know, there are a lot of open questions there. And so, you know, again, uh, if anyone wants to give a call, 760-677-0111, you know, would you travel? uh, Would you take a go on an African safari to a country where being gay is uh, illegal? Uh, You know, would you go to some of the uh, countries in the Caribbean where it is uh, highly stigmatized and uh, oftentimes uh, illegal as well? Uh, And if so, you know, kind of, how do you square that? Um, Because obviously, you know, given the article in the Times and sort of just anecdotal evidence, people, you know, gay gay folks are traveling to these places uh, with increasing regularity.
1: Yeah, you wouldn't even get me to like Jamaica for that reason, but I mean, other, I mean, also the fact that it's you know really a third world country, but the, (laughs) I don't know, the African continent doesn't seem like a very fun place to visit. I know that my uh, my significant other has expressed in the past uh, interest in going to Cairo and to seeing, you know, seeing what's there. Because uh, there's certainly some, some of the world's greatest wonders that are there. But uh, would I go there uh, in light of the fact that it's both a filthy dirty city from every friend I've ever talked to who's been there and the fact that that we are so low there i I don't think I could I could do that there's so many places in the world that are you know that are not going to threaten me because of my sexual orientation that I'd prefer to go and check out and explore those places first yeah
2: chick what do you think about this I, um, I
3: was going to bring up about the Saudi Arabia thing there there's a there's a guy on social media. Um, I guess he's kind of an influencer, if you will. And his name is Elliot Norris. And he put out a video recently about being gay and going to Saudi Arabia. And it was about how it, like, it's okay for him to to go there and to travel and to be with his partner. But pretty much in the video, it's, like, it's only okay as long as you don't show any kind of affection towards your partner as a same-sex mm. couple.
1: Yeah.
2: And right, so it's basically, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's like going they, into the closet.
3: They, yeah, they welcome, I mean, they want gay people to go there just to get money, just as a source of tourism and, you know, for a reason for more people to go there. But it's not, I mean, it's all, it's all a load of crap. It's not, they're not, they don't want you there. If you do anything wrong, they're still going to arrest you. They're still going to possibly put you in jail. And who knows when you might get out. And they might even
1: slice and dice you into pieces like they did uh, Mr. Khashoggi although they did that up in turkey
3: but so putting on like a a tourism campaign it's like okay you can come here and you can do this and you can do whatever you want as long as you're not who you are
2: yeah and this goes back to the question of you know um if even if you can, should you, you know, so I'll give some examples. Um, you know, I would love to see the pyramids. Um, I would love to see the Hagia Sophia in Turkey. Um, you know, an architectural wonder and I, Turkish food is amazing. Um, you know, there are a lot of places, uh, you know, places in the Caribbean where I'm sure the, the water is just stunningly clear and glistening and you know, this, the beaches are perfect. Um, but for me, I, I just I almost it's like I I don't want to condone that condone the whole setup, you know, and I know that they're salivating for they see the fact that, you know, that sort of demographically gays travel more and spend more when they do travel. Um, But I don't want to reward, you know, essentially bad behavior. Um, And there are plenty of places to go that are really delightful where uh, gays are are treated, you know frankly better than they are in this country and i'd kind of rather do that
1: and you know there are um people in this country who are not gay who because of the behavior of certain legislative people in various parts of our country uh, refuse to go and, and travel into states where those issues are a concern uh, I have a friend who is a uh, he is a frequent 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 traveler uh, because of his business and most of his travel uh, involves going through uh, Dallas or Miami to go on to other points internationally and he won't travel there because he has a transgender daughter and the laws that would you know, create havoc in those states, uh, in in Florida and in Texas, for trans people, they've made a decision to largely not travel through there because they don't want to put any money through uh, that state's, you know, economic coffers. And it's, you know, I think that people have to think smart about where they spend their money, and they have to think about it beyond just I want to see something or I want to go and experience something. But understanding that if they do go to those places and go see things and end up staying there, if you eat one meal there, you know, if you pay for one taxi cab there, you're helping to fund your own discrimination. Right.
2: And so, you know, there is, uh, you know, there is a glimmer. uh, We'll we'll do a silver lining here. um, Not a silver lining, but a little glimmer of hope. Um, uh, Last month, the Supreme Court in Namibia uh, delivered a judgment uh, that found that same-sex marriages performed outside of the country should be recognized uh, to grant foreign spouses in same-sex marriages the same immigration rights afforded to opposite-sex couples. So, that's good news. Um, it's a start. It, it's a start. Of course, uh, it has sparked a wave of opposition uh, from members of parliament, uh, and you know, prominent political figures and religious groups, of course, expressing their, their discontent with this. But of um, course. And uh, so, you know, the. The fight continues, but it is good to see, uh, you know, at least in some in some little glimmers, um, some forward motion, uh, you know, uh, across the pond. So, um, you know, I think that we'll we just have to kind of keep advocating and again, um, you know, query where you're going to where you're going to spend your next uh, travel budget on, uh, you know, maybe maybe hit up Portugal or, uh, Spain (laughs) where, uh, you know, where they were kind of, you know, leading the pack. Um, so, uh, but yeah, if anyone, if anyone has any, any gay travel trips, uh, lined up the number is 760-677-0111. I am going to be traveling actually pretty soon to, um, the, our fair neighbor to the north, Canada, so I don't have anything to worry about there. Uh, <laughs> if anything, uh, you know, uh, I will be in a place where there is universal health care and, um, and a politics that has at least uh, some semblance of civility, unlike uh, what we're currently dealing with.
1: And speaking of Toronto Pride, we're going to also, uh, in our last segment of the show today, next hour, we're going to have an opportunity to talk about somebody who was on the board of Toronto pride and who was very active in the LGBTQ plus community, uh, with regards to social justice activism. And, uh, that is our uh, friend Brian DeMatos and we'll get into that next hour. So if, uh, if you knew Brian and you want to, um, chime in, you'll be welcome to call in uh, for that as well. I don't know. I, Absolutely, you know, there's lots of places I love traveling around the world, but, but you know, I think people have to pay attention to State Department warnings and know exactly, you know, what the, you know, what the issues are where you're going. Don't listen to a travel agent tell you, you know, oh, you'll be fine at this place or that place because they're trying to sell you the trip. I'm not. I'm not trying to denigrate travel agents. But they're motivated to get you to buy the ticket and the accommodations and so on. Uh, they're not there to be your uh, conscious in that. So, um, wherever you go, safe travels. And we hope that uh, it's a place that you can go and have fun and really enjoy your experience.
3: Yes. And coming back from the break, we will be talking about pet peeves and also um, we will continue talking about. Um, some tribal issues.
1: You're listening to the GBC Happy Hour from GBC Unmutual. And I'm John McMullen, along with Chick Maxon and Richie Roy. Again, the phone number is 760-677-0111. Stay with us.
0: Turn that frown upside down. It's the happy hour on KBC. Hello and welcome back to the
2: happy hour. Um, I'm here with uh, with our good friends Johnny Mack and Chick Maxson. and we've talked a little bit about a pride, a little bit about travel, and uh, and now we're going to kind of take a little bit of a left turn uh, and and talk about stuff that has driven us up a wall this week. Um, so uh, I I have one that I, I'm looking forward to sharing. It drove me crazy. But, uh, you know, but uh, Johnny, do you have any, any pet peeve for the week?
1: Oh, I do, you know, I actually had so many of them that I had to put them into one of those hoppers. Like they put the, you know, the balls in for playing bingo and uh, spin it a few times, and then reach in and grab one out. And it turns out that it is probably my biggest peeve this week, and that was that um, last week I went in to a Lowe's Home Improvement Center in Palm Springs to pick up a few things. And they had a promotion going, and if you signed up and got their credit card, you were going to get, a fairly substantial discount on your first purchase there by using the card to make the purchase. So I said, "Ah, oh, what the heck?" So as I'm at the check stand, the the checker, she's typing in all my information and and then she submits it and she says, "Oh, it came back and it said we have to get more information," which of course is code for you've been rejected, and so I didn't get to take advantage of the discount on my purchase the other day at Lowe's. Um, I didn't know who the issuing bank was that that the Lowe's credit card was being issued through. It turns out it was a a bank that actually has several different retailers that people know commonly throughout the country, like you know Pep Boys or. Uh, American Tires, or you know, I just a whole bunch. Uh, the uh, I actually had a card with them at one time for Sweetwater, which is the music and and pro audio store. Well, it turns out that they were the bank that was processing for Lowe's, and so um, I get this letter in the mail a few days ago, and it says, um, "Dear John." We have received your request for a credit product with Lowe's issued by Synchrony Bank. Unfortunately, we are unable to approve your request at this time. Your request was denied for the following reasons. Credit Bureau reports applicant is deceased. (laughs) Imagine going to Lowe's, trying to get a credit card, and finding out because of that that you're actually not really alive anymore. You're just kind of moving like a ghost through life, I guess. So you guys can hear me, right? yeah no, no no one wanted to
2: break it to you, John, but uh there's a little bit of a, an update we have to <laughs> we have to share with you
1: <laughs> well a, a, as the saying goes, um reports or rumors as to my death are significantly premature right yes, that that's a good pet peeve. I
2: would be annoyed too. um nice to be recognized as being amongst the living, yeah. Um, (laughs) but that said, if we just, if we just say Johnny Mac three times then you will materialize wherever we, uh, wherever we are,
1: how lucky am I to
2: have that? (laughs) So, uh, chick, what's your pet peeve for the week?
3: Um, people not answering their phones and I'm guilty (laughs) of that myself, but God, I, I hate when some. (laughs) trying to get a hold of somebody to do the work that they called in for in the first place and they don't answer their phone. I try and call them back. It's oh, so yeah. So annoying.
2: Yeah, especially when someone calls you and then you, you just miss them, just miss them. And then you call right back and it just goes like. It not only goes to voicemail. It goes to voicemail in that way where it's like it rings an extra time to just tell you, like, yeah, they're never getting back to you.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's miserable. Uh, it, so it, it is.
2: <laughs> so mine, mine came by way of I think this was on is either Instagram or Facebook that I saw it. I think it was on Instagram, but um, it's a it, it's a instead of try this and it says violent language so it says instead of we're going to pull the trigger say we're going to launch instead of i'll take a stab at it say i'll take the first pass at it instead of did we jump the gun say did we start too soon instead of i'll bite the bullet say I won't avoid it any longer. So the list goes on. Um, Actually, probably the one that makes me the most crazy is instead of saying, oh, that'll kill two birds with one stone, say, that'll feed two birds with one scone. Oh, my God. No. Yeah, for real. No. So – this is just too. It's just too much. It's it's you know I I get the impulse you know to want to make make the world a gentler place, but it's political to kind of like on steroids. It's yeah. It's just to replacing sort of like descriptive, illustrative language that's precise and sort of like clear with mealy mouthed corporate speak. It's it's just a little. It just that drove me a little bit crazy. Just because I kind of love. Evocative language, and um, for instance, saying instead of saying "I bombed that presentation," say "I didn't do my best." I mean, it's it's really it's it's a bit much for me. So that how be if if all of my communications with people were kind of sapped of any sort of like interest and flavor and, you know, metaphor and analogy and was just this bland corporate, corporate talk. Let's just move forward um, instead of let's just roll with the punches, um, you know, something like that. So, uh, yeah, that, uh, the, you know, it's a minor thing. It, it's just something that when I saw it on my Instagram, I actually screenshotted it and I, I had to send it around to some people because it just kind of encapsulated for me. Um, I think, uh, well, you know, good intentions just gone so awry.
1: I have the same reaction to you because I, too, saw that show up in my social media feed. Uh, I'm not sure on what platform it was, but it did show up earlier this past week. And and so when you sent that to me, I was like, oh, yeah, I had that exact same feeling like, oh, brother. <laughs> that,
3: that's, a, that's one of those things where it's like. Who was actually who was actually upset about
2: it? it? You're right. It's manufacturing a situation. Like I don't think anyone is getting an email from a coworker that says, "Hey, um, you know, if let's have that meeting at three thirty, um, you know, that should kill two birds with one stone." I don't really think any real person is then like shook to their core because someone used you know a kind of old. Hoary old chestnut of a phrase. Um, it's, it, it, it just, it's, it, I don't, I don't know where it came from. I don't know why it exists, but um, uh, it just, less of that would be nice. <laughs> I'm like, let's, let's just, let's just stick with, um, you know, using precise, fun, clear, interesting language and not, you know, sort of that totally bloodless corporate speak, um, you know, passive voice devoid of reality kind of inhuman uh kind of computer talk um soon enough the ai's will be talking for us anyway so while we still have a voice let's use it in an interesting way
1: indeed hey by the way we hadn't put this on the uh schedule for the segment today but um it is an important day today and the program is being broadcast originally on Sunday Father's Day the 11th of June so I want to say hello to all the dads out there and uh, I'm very happy to still um, be uh, you know uh, with my own dad so um, I'm very happy that uh, others get to be with their dads I I wish I could physically be with my dad today but I can't and I know uh, you just talked to your dad the other day didn't you Rich?
2: I did, and uh, I, I did the official call today, um, and uh, and he has not opened the present yet. So I will we will have to have a little check in after that is opened. But yeah, we ha- we did the official call today, so uh, yeah. But yes, Happy Father's Day to all of those who celebrate, uh, and uh, yeah, um, we we love a good. A good holiday here on the happy hour. And we love a good Sunday too. Um, our day of choice, a day of rest for some, but a day of action for us. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, but with that, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, if you have any pet peeves uh, that have really been rankling you, uh, feel free to give a call 760 677 0111. And uh, let us know what's driving you crazy. (laughs) And uh, with that, uh, we will be back with you shortly and uh, keep going with the happy hour.
1: We're going to have a special guest with us, too. When we come back, we'll be joined by Jason Stewart, actor and comedian. He'll be here and talking about his new series that you can see online called Smothered. So looking forward to that. News is coming up next. Stay with us. With Richie Roy and Chick Maxson, I'm Johnny Mack. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. News, talk, and entertainment without gaslight. Mutualpodcast.com
0: The happy hour with richie roy Chick maxson and johnny mac these homosexuals are scheming for world domination good grief what is it with every talk show host thinking they should run the planet anywho back to the Gay BC happy hour
2: and welcome back to the happy hour um we're here with uh with uh your intrepid co-hosts uh, johnny mac and chick maxson and in this segment, we have a special guest, uh, Johnny. I believe he's uh,
1: he's on with us. He is. He is here. And um, many people know him because they have seen him in a zillion different things. And maybe you've been lucky enough to be in a city where he has been on stage doing his comedy. Uh, it is my pleasure to welcome, uh, actually, one of my neighbors. He lives here in Palm Springs. Uh, say hello to... Our friend, Jason Stewart. How are you, Jason? Hey, man. How are you? I'm good, thank you. And uh, Chick and Richie and I are here and looking forward to talking to you about a number of things, but uh, for folks who may be just joining us uh, and are not necessarily familiar with your past work, uh, you've been doing this for 30 years now, right? Uh, I hate to say it's not 30
5: years. It's going on 40-something. What? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I actually started when I was 8 or 9, but I started pursuing my career when I was probably uh, 16. So I started studying at 14. So I've been doing it most of my whole life.
1: Well, that is uh, a fun and enjoyable career to have, you know, if you can get paid for doing what you're doing. And uh, you have been lucky enough to actually be working all this time and and that's great a lot of people you know they come and go but uh, you have s- withstood the test of time and yeah, you've been certainly yeah. way out in the f- in front as one of the LGBTQ community's uh, open actors I mean you've never really had to uh, play that closeted role that so oh, many no, no, actors no
5: no no I, I was in the closet for the first 10 years Really? Oh,
1: yeah. Wait I wait was, a minute. I can't imagine you ever in the closet. I was,
5: well, it, it was a different time. I was in the closet until 1993, 92, 93.
1: Well, that's still kind of ahead of most of the pack. A lot of them are still kind of just peeking their, you know, their nose around the corner of the curtain. But you have another project that's going on right now that I really want to turn our attention to, um, and that is that you have this fun series. It's a short form series uh, called Smothered that you and your friend Machera co-star and co-create. And uh, you're back with your second season now. And it's available, if I'm not mistaken, on a whole bunch of different streaming platforms like uh, uh, DirecTV, uh, uh, Apple TV, YouTube, and uh, Peacock and Amazon. Uh, the main us-
5: places are probably Reverie, who is great enough, Damien Pellicicone and his husband, Christopher Rodriguez. They uh, That's probably where they distributed to all these platforms. And we're also on Amazon Prime, and we're also on YouTube. And if anybody wants to watch the show, because the word smothered is sort of weird to find. So you can uh, go to smotheredtv.com, and, and the links will be there for you really easy smother tv
1: That's cool. Tell yeah. us tell us yeah. about about the premise of the show and your characters. It's Hello. It's about it's about a
5: these two guys who've been in a relationship for 30 years who hate each other and who can't afford to get divorced.
1: <laughs> so there's and a lot of reality in it.
5: I think, you know, I you know, uh, I, it, it's just sort of crazy because Mitch, he's actually arriving right now. He's at my gate <laughs> right now because okay. we're doing a big screening tomorrow night uh, of the show at the Palm Springs Cultural Center at six o'clock. We're going to do a screening of season two. And then uh, after that, we're going to... Uh, have a little Q&A with Amanda Burst from Mary with Children and Bros. She's going to host it for us and be the moderator. And she's in it. She's in three episodes playing Cat Kentucky. So, you know, it's just sort of amazingly wonderful. We had a big screening at Columbia Pictures, and now next we're having our second screening here in Palm Center. You know, this is my town now.
1: Yeah, so so for folks who may be uh, in Palm Springs on Monday, the 12th of June, uh, this is going to be at the Palm Springs Cultural Center at uh, uh, at the Camelot Theater that is there as part of that uh, complex. And uh, what time is it going to happen?
5: It's going to be at 6 p.m. will be cocktails. 7 p.m. is the screening. 8 p.m. is going to be the Q&A.
1: Oh, nice. Well, that'll be fun. So I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm this, curious, you know, um, what was oh, it let's... like working with Amanda
2: Burr? She's such a, she's such a legend. Um, and so she seems like just such a, such
5: an amazing talent.
2: Well,
5: there's a great story because we, I came out of Geraldo in 1993, which is a, a very popular talk show uh, called Unconventional Comedians, because I couldn't basically get arrested as an actor very much. And I had been doing comedy for years, and I got a bit of celebrity for being on Star Search. So when I came out, nobody really had come out. There was, you know, Rosie had not come out, Ellen had not come out, Ricky, Wanda, you know, Billy. Everybody was sort of not, you know, not really talking about it. And I don't know what I was thinking. Honestly, I really have no idea. Thinking that it would be a good idea, it was absolutely frightening. And I came out on that TV show, and everything changed. My whole career changed. And then I met Amanda at a gay event here in Palm Springs that the Filmmakers uh, Gallery was doing. And she said, oh, I know you. You know, we met in 93. We both She came out on the advocate because she had adopted a a child. And I thought, no, we've never met. She said, yes, I have. I said, Amanda, I would know if I met you. (laughs) You're Amanda Beers, a married (laughs) for married with children. Of course I would know if I met you. And we laughed, and we. In the last couple of years, we've been really fast friends. I just absolutely adore her. We just had lunch yesterday, talking about what we're going to do tomorrow. And she, I, I know her daughter and her ex-wife, and I'm just. Uh, she's just become just a dear, dear friend.
2: Yeah, she. She really. Um, I remember because she had some involvement back when I was at Logo with um the big gay sketch show. Sketch show she and created um, that just being show. so.
6: Yeah,
5: yeah, she created just, that show, she put put that together.
2: She yeah, was and was just so impressed uh she uh, she was just such a, an amazing talent, uh you know, just working on that show, you know, with her it was it was so cool. So, that's really awesome. You know, and I have to say I, I watched some of Smothered and um what uh what are you draw, what are you drawing from, you know, because uh so much of the the banter and the kind of dialogue, it just feels very uh spot on to me. <laughs>
5: Well, a lot of people keep saying that they think that we improvised it. But the art is, Mitch Hera, my partner in this, uh, I guess this extravaganza of art, love, comedy, and uh, just insanity, honestly, (laughs) uh, decided to do a series together. We wanted to work together for years, and we talked about it. And we started writing and doing this thing. And first it was just going to be the show on YouTube where these two crazy guys would talk you know, to the camera, and it would be a therapist. But then when we started to write, we realized that we both had a big yearning to really want to create and do something really, really good. So we just started to work on it and rewrite, and Mitch really pushed me to rewrite. And I really pushed him, you know, in terms of uh, acting and in all the things, working together as a team. And we got these really wonderful actors to come in and work with us, all our really good friends, you know, famous and not – and we just started working on it and we rehearsed and we rehearsed and then we improvised and things would happen and then we put it in the script and then we rehearsed more. And I think that's what really people don't realize is how much work goes into it. I mean, we rehearsed for months before we shot the first one, probably a month or two, and kept rewriting and rehearsing. And I think a lot of people do these short film series and they just don't really work on the craft and we really worked on the craft. And then we got these wonderful directors and this wonderful editor, Rob Paget. And this year we work with Carlisle King, who's just the king of uh, the queen rather of uh, Los Angeles theater with her directorial debut, which is really exciting. And we created this wonderful piece of work that got nominated for awards and, and stuff. We got nominated for the Queerty Award, Mitch and I, and Best Series. We got, we got an award in Amsterdam and then we got nominated for four Indie series awards. And uh, I won the Best Actor and uh, we, we both got nominated for Best New Series. He just sort of, kept snowballing, and people really loved the series. I mean, the hardest thing is getting people to actually watch things, because I think people hear short series, and they think, oh, this is something somebody made in their backyard. Well, ours looks fabulous, and looks like a network show, or a streaming show, and we're incredibly proud of it. We really are, and we want everyone to see it.
1: What's this chatter I hear about a uh, possible Emmy Award?
5: Well, so, uh, you know, number one, it's very hard to get on the list to be nominated, especially if you're an independent project, you have to be vetted. And we were vetted for the first year and we were actually on the list. The first time Mitch and I were one of 11 actors, two of 11 actors, And we just couldn't believe it, It, you know, because in short form, there aren't that many actors because a lot of people are doing uh, personality things or talk show hosts are doing, you know, piece of their shows or carpool karaoke or Randy, uh, red, Randy rainbow. So, you know, personalities are doing stuff, but not actually acting. Right. So now we're on the list. It's, it's two years later and it's, uh, we're two of 12 people so we're really and just so people at home know there's usually 50 to 100 people on the list to be nominated between all the network shows and the streaming shows so this is quite an honor just to be on the list to be you know two of 12 so yeah. we're really really hoping really um badly that we get nominated honestly because it would be a great um I don't know. It would be a great sort of uh, icing on the cake for our careers. Both of us have been actors, and I've been in an actor, comedian. He's an actor and a writer, and he, we've been in this business together over a hundred years. I think, you right. know, so it's just, it, it would really be just so wonderful. And we're up for best uh, short film series, and both of us are up for best actors. It's Tara and myself.
2: That's great. Well, and I, good and luck with it's, that. It's you know, I think it's very. Um, One of the things that people I think might not understand that when they think short form series is that actually doing short form is kind of a special artwork because you have to, you know, in the same way a short story has to get a lot across in not too much time, you have to really get the characters and and be able to not only have them developed, but get them across so so succinctly. And I think that um, one of the things that I really liked about the show is that within two seconds of watching the first piece of footage that I watched, I was, I was in it. I knew I got the dynamic and, and it was just, it was so natural. Like you said, it it feels almost like watching a cinema verite documentary of a long lived, you know, miserable couple. So, um, you know, it it really comes across perfectly.
5: That's a compliment. Thank you. Because most Mitch and I, and I know I can, I can talk for him, pride ourselves in our work being real and being good. That's really important to us, no matter how much we fight and hate each other in real life. I mean, <laughs> I'm kidding, because he's, <laughs> he's, he's just in the other room, and I can hear him doing whatever he's doing. Because um, he just arrived for the show tomorrow. Um, but in, in what I love right now is that he can't talk, and he has to just listen to me. It's my favorite. <laughs> it's just so good. He never lets me talk when we have an interview. So... Uh, um, this is so great. This is my fantasy, sitting here getting to talk and stuff. But, no, we really pride ourselves on the work, and we I have to say, you know, I've seen a lot of people make stuff, and I and they, i know people try hard, but I think that, you know, that's really... we. There were, there were a couple things that we really wanted. We wanted to have a good time. We wanted our work to be good, and we wanted to really, you know, work as hard as we could to get this out to people. That's why we put it on. We started with Reverie, went to... Amazon and now we have it on YouTube also so everybody can watch it and they can watch the show because the most important thing is is for people to see the work and hopefully uh, we will be able to do another season and someone will give us a lot of money and that would be just uh, absolutely wonderful.
1: Yeah, well I imagine that uh, the Emmy uh, consideration for it will help uh, give that uh, an even greater footing too.
5: Yes, very much so. You yeah. know, people love awards. Yep. Look what happened to Jennifer Coolidge in her career right now. Just the awards make her that much more interesting. I don't know what it really means in the sense of, uh, um, you know, why people are so uh, enamored with it. And I'm guessing because it's the it's the last bastion of live television where you get to see somebody completely real in that one moment. Nothing yeah. is planned, you know, and you. And it's sort of exciting to watch people have that kind of experience that you know. Because even reality show, as most people know, is not really reality. It's edited. But that you get on stage and you just say what's in your heart, you know. Yep.
2: Well, and there's, it's also these days, I feel like with the Emmys, um, you know, television is so fragmented now because there are so many platforms. And, and a lot of times it's like, that's the way to kind of cut through the noise because at least you're like, okay, here are some things that people have deemed worth watching. And so, you know, when you have a million zillion things to choose from having someone basically be like, okay, here's 10 that actually like, you might want to pay attention to, uh, you know, really, I think helps people to kind of find things that they might not have found, you know, by themselves.
5: Well, but, keep in mind, it is a popularity contest, and we've hired a really big, uh, you know, uh, PR company. So it really is it is it is about all sorts of things. And when you go to a PR person, just so folks know at home, they're not going to just take you for the money. A lot of them won't, especially the really good ones. They have to see that you're deemed um, worth Emmy worthy or worthy of, of having a publicist and being able to do you know, be able to garner getting interviews and getting things. Jason, and uh, this J- has been a, you know, an incredible year for me.
1: Jason, I yeah. want to make sure that people um, who are elsewhere around the country listening uh, know that you have a uh, ver- uh, number of appearances coming up between now and September. Uh, you're okay. going to be in Hollywood, in North Hollywood. Uh, you're going to be – uh, in Texas, in New York. And, uh, there's a uh, I think in Texas, you're going to be in Austin and in Houston. So, right. um, to get all those dates of where Jason is going to be appearing to do comedy, uh, you can find those on his website, which is Jason That's jasonstuart.com. That's J A S O N S T U A R T.com. And, uh, and as well, all the information about him. And he, there's also a link to a, a great story that just came out uh, about a week ago in GED Magazine uh, about you, which is um, gedmag.com. And once they can, again... They
5: can get it right on the press section of my, of my website. Also, this thing really important before we go, I am um, doing a very big gay comedy special, July 1st at the Gay and Lesbian Center in Los Angeles, the Renberg Theater Uh, July 1st. And Clinton Lee, who's done so many great movies, is actually producing it. And I'm really excited to be in it with a lot of new, brand new comedians. And I'm the headliner for that. Great. It's called called Laugh Proud July 1st.
1: We'll catch up with you again soon. And we'll also get your uh, co-star, Mitch Hara, on the program soon, I hope too, as well. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I so appreciate it. You're welcome. Jason Stewart joining us here, and we'll continue with more of the GBC Happy Hour coming up next. Stay with us.
7: Maybe it's time to take a fresh look at everything we thought we knew about landing a great job. For instance, what if phenomenal careers start at the middle school science fair instead of at the job fair? if being the captain of the robotics team means just as much on a college application as being captain of the football team. And if knowing the quadratic formula is every bit as important as knowing the right people. Well, the fact is, the jobs of the future will be heavily geared towards science, technology, engineering, and math. In other words, the future is STEM. More opportunities, better pay. And the road to these great jobs starts as early as middle school. So if you're a student, talk to your school counselor about STEM. If you're a parent, talk to your kids, because the job you'll get in the future may very well depend on what you do today. A public service message from America's Navy.
0: The Happy Hour where the drinks are half price, the snacks are complimentary, and the hosts just won't shut up. Hi, welcome back to
3: the ABC Happy Hour. We are joined by Richie Roy and Johnny Mack. I'm Chick Magson, and we just got off the phone with Jason Stewart.
1: Indeed we did, and uh, Jason's a lot of fun. And, and again, if you haven't had a chance to check out Smothered yet, uh, go ahead and check it out. It's on a number of streaming platforms, as he talked about, and you can find more about it at smotheredtv.com. So, anyway, uh, Richie, I think that we were going to talk a little bit about another thing that annoys me, but it annoys me so much more than it being just a pet peeve that we left it for its own segment, and that is book bands. That's right.
2: Uh, yeah. So book bands have kind of, and, and, you know, I remember actually back in the, in the, Early 90s, uh, when I was in late 80s, early 90s, when I was in school, I remember there being kind of um, book bans going on. Um, there were some parents that were convinced that some very innocuous books had satanic content in in the books. So there was kind of book ban at the time. The new Bugaboo is uh Parents objecting to books uh, on a wide variety of of uh, pretenses. One of which, uh, basically, any book that has to do with LGBTQ content gets flagged as being age inappropriate, and uh, and gets uh, you know in many jurisdictions, um, you know, basically gets either whisked away, uh, put in a lockbox, or taken off the shelves entirely. Um, and you have, uh, you know, some interventionist school boards basically, dr- you know, coming up with lists of officially banned books that can't be taught or even seen, uh, you know, on school grounds. And so this is kind of a, it's kind of a, a little bit of a panic that's been sweeping the nation uh, recently. And uh, thankfully, uh, Illinois gone in a different direction and uh recently they banned book bans as being something that can be done um you know if it, at least at the school level and um pretty i'm pretty psyched about that i think i think that that's the right move uh you know when you have you know because there's litigation going on right now some librarians are pushing back against some of the book bands um and you have you know. Ah, uh, parents uh, who are against book bans speaking out, you know, at school board meetings and stuff. But I think to kind of really plant the foot down and say, no, you know, the, l- open access to literature is kind of a, you know, a cornerstone of education and of just kind of like a liberal democracy. Uh, we're not going to let that happen here. So I'm pretty psyched about that.
1: Yeah, I imagine that there's a bit of a fight going on in the land of Lincoln because certainly Chicago has a major impact on something like that, but there's a lot of backward thinking in the state of Illinois too. And when you get out into the rest of the state, uh, you know, especially central and Southern Illinois, uh, you have a lot of people who based on religious, you know, things and so on and so forth, uh, are probably all too happy to have those books banned there, but I'm glad that the legislation is, uh, is taking effect, hopefully, uh, to, to outlaw banning books. That's, that's what we need to do at the federal level. Yeah. And it's, it's also
2: kind of a rare instance, uh, of a statewide kind of, um, a ban on municipalities doing something that is running in the right direction. Yeah. Because increasingly we have a lot of, um, a lot of states where the, where the, at the state level, it is controlled by Republicans, um, you know, through gerrymandering and a bunch of other tactics. Um, and they push through a lot of these basically kind of ratchet effect, um, bills where municipalities can't, for instance, have more stringent. Water quality rules than the state's rules, or can't you know have uh, you know more better incentives for electric cars than the state you know than the state has. And so you have these kind of uh, a lot of times Republican state legislatures doing this type of you know sort of municipal ban, but kind of going in a regressive or reactionary way. This is kind of using that same tactic but um, in kind of more of a progressive, forward-thinking way. So, you know, it's an interesting thing just from a kind of realpolitik level to see this type of tactic being used, um, but instead of for evil, for good. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in other states.
1: What is your favorite reading material, Mr. Maxson?
3: Um, My favorite, it would have... What do you mean like in terms of...
1: Like what do you read? Do you like fiction, nonfiction? Do you like, you know, uh, I don't know. Do you like Westerns? Do you like uh, uh, intrigue stuff? Do you like, um, you know, stuff that has to do with, uh, you know, political stuff? I I can't imagine most people don't want to read any more politics than they have to. Uh, But, I mean what what kind of thing i'm personally i am uh i love autobiographies i like to read people's stories you know um and i also like to read current events related stuff that is you know tied to what is going on in the country but once in a while i will sit down with something that is a work of fiction and and enjoy that and take myself into another dimension i have other friends who you know love science fantasy or science fiction and and have zillions of paperbacks in in that genre. Uh, Is there something that uh, appeals to you more than another?
3: I do, like, I personally love historical um, works. I don't really...
2: And, uh, yeah, I think, you know, we'll, I think we can talk a little bit more about, um, you know, our book tastes uh, in in whatever direction they take us uh, after the break.
1: Cool. We've got the news coming up for you. And then we'll continue with more of the happy hour on GBC with Richie Roy and Chick Maxson. I'm Johnny Mack. Hurt Queer youth are under attack at schools across the nation, not just by domestic terrorists wielding assault weapons and hiding behind the stranglehold of the firearm lobby. From Florida's infamous Don't Say Gay legislation to multiple states targeting transgender children, intolerance and hate are values that place young lives in harm's way. Glisten has been building a better world for young people for three decades. The Gay Lesbian Straight Education Network, working with activists historians and researchers glisten has been inspiring educators and advocates and most of all students to ensure safer more inclusive schools for lgbtq youth they have led movements including the day of silence ally week and other initiatives your help is needed now more than ever support glisten make a difference by contributing today at glsen.org glisten.org
0: you think these guys aren't interesting enough without you joining the show? You're probably right. 760-677-0111. That's 760-677-0111. Operators
1: are standing by right now. Probably. Well, welcome back to the GBC Happy Hour. I'm Johnny Mack. I'm here with Chick Maxson and Richie Roy. And we are spread across America like you, our audience, and some are listening from abroad as well. We welcome everybody. And if you do want to call, you can ring that phone line at any time. We'll take your calls and have you in, in part of our conversation here. One of the things we're going to be doing soon is introducing a call in line with some preset questions for the week that you can call at your convenience and leave a message and have your thoughts be shared in an upcoming episode when we actually talk about the topics that we ask you to call in about. And all that will be available to you through social media. We'll have details on that coming soon. By the way, before I hand the microphone back to Chick and to Richie, I want to let you all know that next week we're going to be doing the program live on Saturday. Not on Sunday, but on Saturday. So we'll be here on not the 18th, but the 17th. I'm sorry, did I, did I say that? Um, I didn't mean that. I Today is the 18th. Um, I meant to say we will be doing that on the 24th, not the 25th, because Richie is going to be in Toronto at Pride that day and he won't be able to be with us uh, live in the program. So we're going to do the program on Saturday next week. And uh, if you can join us, uh, I guess we should uh, have talked about this before we actually went on the air in terms of the exact time. But do we want to do it at exactly the same time except a day earlier, uh, guys? That works for me. Okay. (laughs) Chick, are you with us? Uh, yeah, that works fine. Okay, cool. So we'll be with you um, one day earlier this coming week, then return to our Sunday live schedule. That way we can accommodate uh, the Pride plans of our, of our family here. So I hope you're going to have fun at Pride yourself. Uh, if you haven't already gone somewhere in North America... Uh, Most of the Pride celebrations in the month of June do happen on the last Sunday of the month because that is what typically is recognized as the date for the anniversary of the start of the modern LGBTQ plus rights movement at Stonewall in New York. Um, And so on that note, before we went to the news break... We were talking a little bit about book bands and such, and I actually put a question out to the guys as to what kind of books they really read uh, or like to read, and I know that um, Chick didn't get a chance before we ended up in the news break to fully answer the question, and, and Richie, uh, you have a new project coming too that uh, maybe you'll want to share a little bit about coming up, but Chick, le- let me let you finish what you were starting to say before we went to news.
3: Um, I typically do like historical books. I, I, I don't really like fiction, fictional books or science or sci-fi or anything like that. Um, and I do like autobiographies. But I also like biopic as well. Um, one that I've started to read and I haven't finished it was about a, a golfer named David Faraday. And the book is written by John Feinstein. And he is a terrific sports writer. Uh, but his book about David Faraday so far has been an amazing story. And David Faraday himself just has a wonderful uh, story to how he got to where he's going to be. Where he's at right now, I particularly don't like it. But... Um but for the most part i think that he has a he has a great story to, to tell um, the reason why i say i don't like where he's at right now is because he's a part of the the live golf tournament and he's he's an he, he doesn't play for them but he is an announcer for live golf yeah and that's a little i
1: don't think i don't think we've seen the end of that drama yet i i do think that there's uh, possibly some chapters uh, that are yet to be written about that and that it may not happen the way that they presented that it's going to happen because I think the government is really going to crack down on them because of their human rights abuses in Saudi Arabia. So it'll be interesting uh, to see uh, what and how all of that plays out in terms of the merger between LIV and the PGA. I also um, think in terms of of literature, Um, I was thinking the other day about the very first gay book I ever bought in a bookstore uh, that was autobiographical, but even in that case, the author didn't use his real name. And that was a guy who actually became very involved in politics, uh, especially democratic politics in the United States. Um, And when I was very young, I picked up this book that was uh, written by a guy named John Reed, and his real name was Andrew Tobias um and he also was a very good best-selling author on financial books because he had one that came out uh back at that same time in his real name that was uh uh I think it was called The Only Investment Guide You'll Ever Need but he would eventually become the treasurer of the DNC and all that it was called The Best Little Boy in the World and there were a lot of things that I could re- relate to in uh Andy's slash john's uh, real life early in his life uh, in my own. And, and I highly recommend that, um, that uh, gay men who have not read that book um, get a copy of it. Uh, it's available at Amazon or, or wherever gay books are sold. And uh, it was actually a, a really good choice, I think, for being the very first uh, gay book that I ever purchased.
2: I'll have to check that one out. I I was kind of, as you mentioned that, racking my own brain. I feel like the first gay book that I ever bought, it was probably A Boy's Own Story by Edmund White. Mm,
6: yeah.
2: uh, and I remember really vibing on that hard and going through a little phase. Um, there was another book, and I think, and I can't remember it, the author's name, I think it was Paul Monette. Yep. Um and i think he had a book too that i remember reading at the time and being really taken with um and i can't recall what that one was called but um but yeah i think i think a boy's own story was by and white was my first gay book. I remember kind of like, you know, buying it. I think I probably bought like another book and put it that other book on top of that one when I bought the, you know, like hiding it somehow from the, you know, from the checker at the, at the bookstore. But, um, yeah, I think that was the first one for me. And in terms of books, the types of books that I like to read, um, you know, there's, there are the books that are on my nightstand that tell one story, they, they tell a story about someone who likes, um, an extremely cerebral, uh, you know, highbrow literary fiction. And then there's the books that, uh, you know, that, that are dog-eared and, um, you know, under the bed covers books (laughs) that are the ones I actually read more, more, uh, frequently. (laughs) But, um, I do have a recent project that has me absolutely just, Diving, you know, headfirst into the dumpster, um, and I'm kind of living for it. Um, I'm working on a new project. The working title is "Reading the Right," so you don't have to. And I am um, reading some uh, current uh, conservative slash Republican think books and um, and going through them with a critical eye and uh, reviewing them. So I'm midway through my first book in the project. And I have two more that just arrived and um, one of them is so horrendous that I I can't, I I can't (laughs) stop. I can't put it down. It's so, it's just like watching a train wreck in slow motion. So yeah, keep your eyes peeled for that, for that project. But um, yeah, I do, I am dabbling now in the conservative uh, think book uh, genre.
1: Yeah. Well, also in the theme of pride, which we've been talking about a lot this week on the show, um, the President of the United States, not to be outdone by his his recently passed Democratic predecessor in the White House, uh, his former boss, um, held, he held a party at the White House uh, this past week Uh, for the LGBT community. They had a pride party at the White House. Richie?
2: Yeah. So there was a pride party. It, um, you know, they had the the White House decked out with the progress flag. Um, You know, it was quite well attended. I think, you know, thousands of people, um, and they had, you know, a bunch of of you know, influencers and families and, you know, kind of showing in that in the way that, um, you know, a well oiled White House is good at doing um, an event that just kind of showcases, you know, the kind of beautiful, glimmering, shining diversity of, you know, of a population, um, you know, White House events uh, can be sort of legendarily uh, nice to look at. And so. You know, it is. I think, you know, seeing the pictures and um, seeing that, you know, seeing just the fact that, you know, at the highest level, um, you know, the president is sort of full throatedly throwing support behind the LGBTQ community, um, you know, including our trans friends and folks. Um, you know, I think that that goes a long way, um, especially after a number of years where that wasn't the case. So that was um that was really nice, uh, you know, to see that happening in, in Pride Month. And um, so that, that really, uh, you know, I think um, it, to go back to the kind of what we were talking about earlier, um, people who might be in the closet, young people who might be afraid, seeing that kind of representation matters.
1: This is another story, though, that for another reason ended up being on uh, my list of possible pet peeves this week. Uh, not Certainly not that the president and first lady hosted an event celebrating LGBTQ plus pride at the White House, but because a transgender activist who was there by the name of Rose Montoya, uh, Ms. Montoya, I think is uh, 27 years old, she did something that was really gauche. Uh, she ended up going topless at the White House during that event. She has since been banned from the White House. Uh, She unhooked the top of her dress and grabbed her chest on the South Lawn last Saturday as someone shouted, Are we topless at the White House? And uh, not a cool thing to do. Really, actually, a very tacky thing to do. And I would say that about anybody under any circumstances who would pull that at the people's house at an event like that, I think that that is not the way that we ingratiate ourselves with uh, polite society. Of course, a lot of people in activism uh, would argue that that's exactly the point. But I think that when you have an administration that is celebrating you and honoring you and inviting you, um, that when you're a guest in their house, uh, you don't you don't pull that kind of nonsense
2: right i mean I, and, think, and I think i that go ahead jack
3: i think that well it was great to have them invite them to the white house i think that the ban on well her herself is justifiable i also think that it, it kind of made it to the point where they said where conservatives said that oh someone was topless at the white house they acknowledge that she's a woman and that she's not just a trans person. They acknowledge that she was also a woman.
2: So I think, you know, one of the things about this is I have, I have sort of complicated thoughts on this because my first thought is um, this is It's a tempest in a teapot. And again, this is stoked by really it comes out of the right. It was the you know, this like you said, this sort of trans influencer posted a short video online, you know, with, you know, taking, you know, having a top off and whatever kind of playing around. You know, I think an unforced error. I think you know, th- th- it just sort of handed a news cycle to the right because it gave them, you know, a chance. It, it sort of it reminded me, in a way, of do you remember the the Barack Obama when he dared to wear a cam uh, a khaki suit, and it gave, you know, Republicans, uh, you know, the, you know, the feints, uh, you know, because he dared to do that, or when he put his foot feet up on the desk, you know, the resolute desk even though, you know, every president's photographed that way, there's just these like little moments about white house decorum that some, you know, kind of George will bow tie wearing folks will just get, you know, in a tizzy about. And it just, it was, I think, I think, uh, you know, an unforced error in that it just handed a, an easy, you know, news story to the right that, that on a day when there was so much kind of positive stuff going on um it just gave them a way to just kind of like you know just muddy the waters so that that was kind of a bummer to me
3: right and we are we are coming to the end of the break on the happy hour we will come back we were talking about we were talking about trans people at the white house and we would come back with that
0: we're live once a week but the happy hour is always available on demand as a podcast wherever you prefer to get them the hosts will tell you where if you ask nicely
1: welcome back to the gbc happy hour i kind of Um, feel like we're on the set at ronan martin's laugh in right now with this oh you mean with that tune music yeah (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, maybe we, should, uh, maybe we should retool the happy hour as a game show.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we were talking just before uh, going into the break about what uh, happened at the White House with the Pride Party there. And by the way, I do need to, uh, uh, in full disclosure and fairness, mention that Ms. Montoya... The transgender model and activist who posted a video on TikTok in which she and other guests posed topless, um, that she actually apologized and uh, said that uh, in a quick moment of fleeting and overwhelming trans joy, I decided to do something unbecoming of a guest of the president at the White House lawn celebration. Uh, more so than ever before, I have learned how powerful and just how impactful my actions are and how impactful it is when we share our stories and experiences and how we do so with the world i want to take this moment to apologize for the impact of my actions i think that was a very classy thing for her to to do um but we reserved this final few minutes together with you um today on on this program to share some news that caught many of us by surprise this past week as it emerged um back on june the 9th uh gentlemen who um, we knew through all of our interaction with a considerable number of friends here on uh, uh that listen into the show but who are on the twitter spaces Um, one of those friends passed away and he was, it was clear just listening to him day in and day out when he would jump into one of these spaces forums, um, that he was a real advocate, especially for the Black Lives Matter and for other, um, marginalized communities that were discriminated against and, and, you know, and trying to hold, uh, governments and uh, corporations and others uh, accountable for their actions and, and for the unfortunate circumstances that befall many, many thousands or millions of people really, uh, around the world, uh, simply because of immutable traits. And um, and he had no problem calling people out when he saw or heard them making ignorant comments. Um, he also had a habit in the in the Twitter spaces of being somebody that a lot of people would be quick, I think, to identify as a troll because he loved to give people a really hard time uh, and did it with a tongue-in-cheek approach, having fun with it. But some people, I think, took it much harder than what he ever intended it, and sometimes I think he, he definitely knew that he had crossed a line and and went really far with his you know teasing somebody or jabbing at somebody um and none of us really knew his legal name we only knew him as a screen name he had a couple of them um the one that he usually used to create the most havoc with was the name fegatron and you hear that and you immediately kind of think, you know, well, (laughs) somebody like that is is kind of looking for trouble. But um, he had challenges in his own life, uh, for sure. But he still uh, could be a really sweet person. And he really did honestly care about a lot of people who were having a rough time and, you know, in just living, simply living their own life. And so, um, unfortunately he was found by friends after he had passed away, um, back on June the 9th at the age of 35. And his name is Brian DeMatos. And, um, and we wanted to, uh, acknowledge him. Um, if you're in the Toronto area, uh, he was, uh, being honored today, uh, Actually, it's coming up. Uh, he's going to be um, taking... Their, the family is going to have visitations opened at the Vesio Funeral Home, uh, the Toronto Chapel at 2080, 2080 Dufferin Street uh, in Toronto uh, today, uh, Sunday, June the 18th, between 3 and 7 p.m. Uh, local time there. And the funeral service is going to be celebrated tomorrow... At 10 a.m. Eastern Time, at Vesio Funeral, uh, Funeral Home, Toronto Chapel, um, with an interment to follow at the Prospect Cemetery. So, um, our condolences to Brian's many friends and family. He was on the board of directors of the Toronto Pride Organization, an organization which had a fair amount of controversy and in, uh, in its. Uh, recent years as well but uh it it was just it was really shocking for me to learn that um that we just weren't going to hear his voice and his sense of humor and his jabbing and poking at us anymore when when word began to spread on on twitter this past week yeah
2: it was really shocking and it's really sad and And especially um, because, you know, one of the things that that was sort of a hallmark of his, of him, uh, you know, on Twitter spaces especially, um, was like you said, he was, he was a, he was a happy warrior, but he was a warrior. And, um, you know you can always kind of argue about what tactics work best you know and you can kind of sort of say oh you know you attract more flies with honey than vinegar or there are kind of different ways to to think about advocacy but um he was one that he wouldn't brook any kind of um mealy-mouthed half-assed um you know attempts at speaking Truth and speaking about justice, um, and uh, and really, you know, I think a lot of times bringing to bear issues of intersection uh, intersectionality, uh, you know, post colonialism, and kind of always kind of complicating the text. And um, you know, he was he was a little cagey about his um, his real life um, on Twitter Spaces, um, so we didn't know a ton about his you know his his background. But, um, you know, it didn't surprise me at all, um, you know, reading sort of the kind of all of the actual direct advocacy work that he was involved in in Toronto, um, you know, in different communities. um, I was like, oh, that makes perfect sense. You know, this is someone who really devoted his his working life and his and his pleasure time to speaking out and, you know, speaking truth to power and kind of nudging or even shoving people. Uh, into really thinking critically about justice, whether for you know trans folks, uh, for you know talking about Black Lives Matter, talking about you know even foreign policy issues, um, and and yeah, it, it, it was always kind of I would sometimes leave a discussion um, with him kind of aggravated uh, and like feeling a little bit attacked, and then over a lot of times over the the intervening hours or even days. I would come to see, I was like, well, you know, darn it, he kind of has a point. Like I was being a little bit, a little bit half measure there in my, in what I was saying or thinking. And so I, you know, I do, I I will miss, um, you know, having really a kind of bright light, um, you know, who, who was so actively involved in seeking a better world through, oftentimes direct, bald confrontation. Um, and you know, it takes, it takes that work sometimes to actually get things done. So I'm really glad, um, you know, that we, that we have an opportunity to, to talk about him here. Um, and he will be quite missed. And, you know, if, if nothing else, I mean, the takeaway, I think, um, you know, can be, uh, with whatever time we have on this planet, um, whatever issues matter to you, be passionate about them and actually go out and do stuff. You know, don't you know. just armchair quarterback, don't just kind of sit back and read an op-ed and be like, oh, I'm frustrated. But because he would, he would, you know, not only he would back up what he was saying with actual kind of direct advocacy and work. And that's that's sort of impressive. And I think something that we could all look to emulate.
1: Indeed. Yeah, it's uh it's it's always shocking when a young person passes. And yeah. and uh you know, I I mean, we both experienced um and I'm sure you have too chick um uh you know, sudden loss of people who you never think even in spite of lifestyle choices and things like that that they've made that they would be suddenly uh, gone before you know it. And so value the people in your life each and every day. Uh, And we will value having another couple of hours to spend together with you this coming Saturday on a special Saturday edition for Pride Weekend of the GBC Happy Hour. For Richie Roy and for Chick Maxson, I'm Johnny Mack. Stay with us. And be sure to let your friends know that the GBC Happy Hour exists each week as a on-demand podcast, so even if they don't hear it live, they can hear it on demand. It'll go up uh, later this evening, and we hope that you'll have a great week shadow Shadowfall in pleasant places.